Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Avec a Hemingway, and today we are talking about Madame Campon. And all these women are women related to Marie Antoinette in some shape or form. So I am excited to learn about this madame today. I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, we had, yeah, it's in our little series of the ladies of Marie Antoinette. Very interesting series. I'm enjoying it. Uh, yeah. So Madame Campon um, was actually Jean Louis Henriette Campon. Of course, it's always a much longer name. She was born October 2nd, 1752 in Paris. Her father was Edmond Jacques Geray. He was a um, member of the Foreign Affairs. He mm-hmm. was the first Foreign affair clerk, and he had served um, a lot of time in the government. He also went to London as the first secretary to the embassy um, for the 1763 peace treaty. I didn't even know they had embassies back then. Yeah, very fancy. Very fancy. Well, there was a uh, you know was it um, Thomas Jefferson? Um, yeah. Like one of the first. I think he was like the second because after Benjamin Franklin, like the ambassador to France of the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that uh, wasn't that long ago. I mean, because it's U.S. history. Um, yeah, but she was um, a very smart younger uh, young lady. Her father um, would coach her every single night and teach her Italian and English. She was also um, she would take piano lessons, harp lessons, guitar lessons, and um, she was even singing. She did all the things. She did all the things. She was very yeah. I, but I just envision this are like you know, guitar is probably not not the guitar lessons that we envision. <laughs> <laughs> A little different. Yeah, but at um, fourteen years old, she could already recite um, Racine plays from start to finish. That's crazy. She she had a really good memory. Yeah, she had a very good memory. At 16 years old, she became the reader to the children of Louis the 15th. Wait, there was a reader? Like, she yeah. just read books to them? Yes. yes. Yeah, that sounds like a fun job. I could yeah. do that job. Yeah, they, I don't think they have that anymore. But <laughs> oh, Bring it back for me. <laughs> bring it back, yeah. Um, but she, you know, because they didn't do anything on their own. They could have, you know, I'm sure, you know, holding a book would be just like, oh. seriously they couldn't even wipe their own butts they can't read a book such commoners hold books Uh, (laughs) but she attended the college of navarre in paris and also the university of paris so she was very um intelligent she was a very smart gal 
1770, she was named the lady-in-waiting to Marie Antoinette. Oh, hello, the lady-in-waiting. Yeah, which is basically one of the, is basically one of the highest um, positions that you could have. On um, May 11, 1774, the day after Louis XV died, she married uh, Pierre-Dominique Francois Bertoli, who was a master of the wardrobe for the Count, uh, Count d'Artois. Oh, so you got to dress him? Yeah, basically, yeah. There was somebody in charge of the wardrobe as well as somebody in charge of the bedchamber. There was somebody, you know, somebody was in charge of everything. And whoever, the way it worked back then was whoever held the higher position is the one that, you know, if if they were, there was actually a scene in the Marie Antoinette movie of like this, that basically the highest ranking member that was in there was the one that like would dress the king or the queen. And if somebody else higher happened to walk in the room right at the same time, it would then fall to that person's job. So there's that scene in the movie where Marie Antoinette is just standing there basically cold and naked because somebody higher up kept walking into the room as they were trying to dress her. Oh, that's really funny. I, I need to watch it again. We talked about this before. It's been so long. Yeah, it's it's a, such a good movie. Um, but she actually named her to be, Marie Antoinette would name her to be in charge of her treasury and in charge of her jewelry. That's a good job. Yeah, the one in charge of jewelry. Now that's the job I would want. <laughs> I want to be the reader still. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the I'll take the one in charge of jewelry because then I would just you know maybe you could just walk around and wearing it you know just yeah. like playing around with it. Borrow it. Yeah, but she she was very close. She grew very close to Marie Antoinette because she was also so young, um, and she served as her longtime uh, confidant for many years. But when she got married, she um, the king actually ended up giving her a large dowry. Um, because she was so close to Louis the Sixteenth and to Marie Antoinette, it was she was basically like a member of their family. Love that. Yeah, so they were very close. She ended up having a son on Halloween of seventeen eighty four. His name was Henry Henri, and in seventeen eighty six, she was named the Lady of the Bedchamber. What is that? So she was basically kind of in charge of um, everything that happened in the bedroom. She held the keys to um, the bedroom. So she basically, anybody that wanted to go in there had to go through her. Um, She was in charge of like when the drapes of her bed were opened and when they were closed, when she would get up in the morning. Um, It was a, there's a very long list of each of these jobs and what they had, what they, what they held. They really were like prisoners of the, like, being the king and queen like they didn't get to do anything for themselves yeah so now you can understand exactly why she loved going down to the hamo so much yeah it was a golden prison yeah because i mean the the fact that even the king would sleep with his um valet it was valets would sleep on a um cot next to his bed with a with a um a piece of twine tied to his finger and tied to the king so if the king got up or moved it would wake the valet up so he would know that the king was awake that is the bad job i don't want that job yeah it's not like the king would like roll you know roll down to the floor and be like hey jacques wake up (laughs) no he would just like any slight movement that the king would uh, king or queen would make would wake them up that sounds terrible yeah, she was um, later named um, uh, the Lady of Honor um, because then she was because she was married. The only time a, a Lady of Honor could hold that job was after they were married, and that was the top job to have. Oh, that's the top job. 
Yep. That was a high, that was the highest rank. Lady of honor. The lady of honor. Yeah. She was still, um, she was always one of Marie Antoinette's um, very close friends at the time. Her marriage was never very good from the start. And in 1790, she was able to attain a separation from him, but the help of the king and queen, but they never actually would separate and they would never divorce. Um, He died in 1797. And she always kind of remained his wife, even though there was really nothing between them anymore. Just on paper. Yeah, it's just on paper, which most of the marriages seem to have been back then, especially when it came to court, you know, when it would be, you know, the many mistresses that we've talked about of the kings, where it would be like, oh, we need her around. Okay, let's marry her off to this guy, and then we'll give him a bunch of money to leave. <laughs> yeah, that that was, yeah, sounds yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. So as a, on October 6, 1789, when the family was forced from Versailles, of course, um, they were taken to Paris. She went with them, um, ever the trusted soldier. She stayed at his at Marie Antoinette's side. She remained there until June 20th, 1791, when um, the king and queen decided to escape. They planned to escape. Um, and they made it known as the flight to Varan. And she, they made it that far, which is where... Um, she, uh, they were captured as we talked about in when we talked about uh, Madame Lambal last time. She was uh, had gone on ahead of them, waiting for them, not knowing what had happened. Um, but uh, Madame Compon was uh, she basically checked out before they left. Well, that was smart on her part. Very smart. Later on August 10th, 1792, a year later, she ended up actually seeing Marie Antoinette again. She and her um, sister, Madame Angie, um, was one of Marie Antoinette's uh, maids of honor. And she and the king and queen would eventually be taken off to the temple prison. um, And then she would never see Marie Antoinette again. Sounds like that's what happened with her and most of her, her buddies. Yeah, most a lot a lot of them, except for one. Well, the one we'll talk about next week uh, was family, and they they she definitely stayed with her um, until the end. Um, but that same night on August tenth, seventeen ninety two, that the Tuileries were being um, attacked. Her own home was attacked. It was looted, and they set fire to it. What? So yeah. she lost her home. She lost her home because everybody, because it was very widely known how close she was to Marie Antoinette, and she held such a, a high rank in her um, household that they ended up uh, going to her house, destroying it and burning it to the ground. So where'd she go? She was homeless. She ended up going to her sister's, and she moved into her sister's um, that was near saint remy les chevaux She, um, later that same year, she ended up renting a chateau um, the Chateau de Coubertin in Chevreuse, which um, she had done with her sister, Madame Agie. So she, can you imagine like living during that time where like, they're like logging up your friends or burning your house down. Like you don't know what's going to happen. It just all sounds terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, they were just basically, if you, I mean, if you were the person, you know, if you were the, you know, the, the lady of the slipper getter, you know, <laughs> you were basically marked for death. It, it did it. Anybody that was associated with anything at all with the royalty was basically public enemy. Sounds so scary. Like, yeah. you didn't 
sure how long it was going to last or where you had to hide. Like, I'm just trying to imagine like in their mindset what they were doing. Yeah, it was a very, very scary time. Um, in fact, her sister um, as a queen um, was made a bigger target. Of course, her sister um, that was her maid was even um, also quite the target. She was on a very long list of people that were um, to be arrested um, Madame Angers, she, um, Adelaide Genet was known as the Marie Antoinette used to call her my lioness because she was very tall and she had a very grand sense about her on the night of October 5th. She actually stood vigil outside the queen's bedroom as the women were breaking into the, um, into Versailles and killing the guards. Oh. Um, she was in fact, the one that had, um, gone down to the, one of the guards um, rooms and found them dead. This is when the women um, had come out there and, and they chopped off their heads and put them on sticks and they were t- carrying them through the, through Versailles. Oh my and God. she saw this and she ran off and actually ran up to Marie Antoinette's room, woke her up and said, you know, we need to get up and we need to go. And that's when, you know, very famously she couldn't, they couldn't, um, they went through the little um, hidden door that's behind, you know, in their rooms mm-hmm. through the corridors. And once they got to Louis's room, it was blocked and they couldn't get through. And so because it was so loud, they're banging on the doors and screaming. Um, they couldn't, he couldn't hear them. Um, yeah. So they, they were trying to get into Louis's room. Eventually, of course they did. Um, they got to Louis's room and they were all together, but it was um, Madame Algie who was actually the one that kind of alerted her to like, we got to get up. We got to get out of here. She saved her. She saved her. Um, uh, but actually, she ended up after this, after she had left. Um, and then when she was with her at the Tuileries, she was on uh, that August 10th. She ended up actually being the one that gave Marie Antoinette some money because Marie Antoinette and Louis and the family were gonna, were running. You know, they were planning on leaving and running through the Tuileries and where they ran to the National Assembly. So she gave the money that she had to Marie Antoinette, knowing that she was going to need it. And, you know, she normally did, wasn't going to have a lot of money on her. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, but she was uh, terrified at the prospect of having to go to the guillotine. So on July 26, 1794, she very sadly killed herself by jumping from a waterfall. What? Yeah, so she avoided the guillotine and whatever fate she was going to have and ended up killing herself. She had three children that she left behind for her sister, Madame Campin, to raise on her own. This is so sad. She jumped off a waterfall. Off of a waterfall, yes. So I guess we do know what they were thinking. They were thinking, okay, I have no choice. Yep, I have no choice. So I better, you know, try to get this over on my own, I guess. Oh, my God. Um, So sad. Yeah. But she had three children. Antoinette was born in 1780, lived to 1833. There was Adele, born in 1788. She would become Madame de Broc, who was the lady of uh, the palace and a very close friend of Hortense de Beauharnais, um, which is, of course, um, the daughter of um, Josephine. She also, there was also um, Agelet, who was born in 1782. She married Marshal Nye, who was one of Napoleon's most loyal soldiers, who was later killed on the spot where the statue of him stands now in front of the Closerie des Lilas. 
Oh my gosh. Everyone is like having a tortured past. Yes, everybody is. Yeah. She, um, the marriage was arranged by Josephine and Madame Campan. She became the lady of the palace for Josephine and later also for Mary Louise. So once Josephine was out, the next wife came in, she stayed there working for them. Oh, she got to stick around. Yeah. But she um, she couldn't really take her uh, her life as a widow. So she snuck off to Italy and quickly remarried. <laughs> I mean, why not? She was lonely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, aunt, her aunt, Madame Campan, she was still in Paris. She ended up creating a boarding school. She always kind of had a love for education and for um, teaching young girls and, you know, also the fact that she had this amazing education because of her father at a time where women weren't educated normally like that. So she actually created a boarding school in Saint-Germain-en-Laye um, opening in July of 1794. It was basically a school for the French elite um, women daughters, um, including the daughter um, of uh, Josephine. It was also Napoleon's sisters and his nieces and the many members of both Napoleon and Josephine's family also attended there. Is it still like that today? No. <laughs> well, uh, the school's not there. The school yeah. isn't. But um, I think I think women get to be educated a little bit more than they were then. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Hopefully. I think it's a little bit better. Um, but as Marie Antoinette was in prison, she still exchanged letters with Madame Compon and they stayed very lo loyal friends until her final day. Mm. Very sad. Um, but Napoleon was quite impressed with her as uh, he came into, as he was general, um, he came into power. He was very impressed with her. He ended up later naming her the director of the Imperial House. And basically, she was a high ranking um, member in the in education. Well, that's great. Upgrade. Yeah. So she was one of the only people to survive working for the Bourbons the Bonapartes, and back again for a short period of time to the Bourbons. She served um, Josephine as for a while as an advisor and etiquette expert of the Ancien Regime. Um, Napoleon, you know, even though he didn't want anything ever associated with him and the Bourbon dynasty or the old, uh, the old kings, you know, he wanted to have his life looked at as he's an emperor and he's, he's much better than all of them. But he did love the way that they um, behaved at court and the different, um, all the pomp and circumstance and the rules and the etiquette. Um, so he actually had Madame Compon come into court and teach, um, teach them all of these things. And Josephine was really not having it. She was more, you know, Marie Antoinette at the Hamo kind of a person she wanted you know, she didn't like having to be dressed up all the time. She was much more comfortable wearing, you know, these light dresses and just enjoying the day. But Napoleon wanted it to look more and more like uh, like the time of Louis the Fourteenth. Fancy. Yeah. So she was definitely an expert in that because she lived through all of that. Um, but after the Bonapartes were out of power, Louis XVIII returned. Um, he brought with him Madame Royale, who was the only living child of Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI. Um, she actually asked Madame Campan how she uh, was uh, able to survive and live so well off. Um, but the closeness that she had had with Napoleon kind of forced her out of the palace once and for all. Uh, but she stayed um, for the time living with friends and family in Paris. So she she stayed 
for a short time with the returning Bourbons, but it didn't last long because it was, they were a little leery of her because of how close she had been become to the Bonapartes. And did she die there? No, she had actually left for Switzerland for a while. She is believed that she was suffering from cancer. She returned in the beginning of February 1822 to um, undergo a surgery by Dr. Voisson. Um, and then she died, sadly, a month later on March 16th, 1822. She was 69 years old, though. Well, I don't think surgery went so well back in those days. No, I don't think so. And I'm sure that they probably couldn't really detect, uh, you know, things that they needed to or give them the care that they really should have had. Well, sounds like she was a pretty lucky woman surviving all of that. Being she was. She was very lucky. And considering that they would even bring her back in, um, going going from going from the Bourbons to the Bonapartes uh, was pretty amazing just in and of itself, because it's not something that happened a lot. Yeah, that's all huge. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like, and, yeah, another gal um, that was another one that was uh, very close to Marie Antoinette that she didn't like so ma- much was Anne-Claude Louise uh, Dapajon. She was the Comtesse de Noailles. She was a descendant of the architect Jules Hardin Mansart, who has, you know, created all of those roof uh, roof lines that we love so much in uh, Paris. She was a lady in waiting to um, the Duchesse du Berry, um, and she served as um, the lady of honor to Louis the Fifteenth's wife, uh, Queen Marie Lechenka. And that's all, folks. <laughs> That's no, there was more to that. In 1770, she actually left with her husband, uh, Philippe de Noailles, to go and greet Marie Antoinette as she entered France on May 7, 1770, leaving Austria behind. And it was the last time she'd ever she would ever see Austria again. Oh, that was it. Yeah, but she was uh this this gal was known. She was supposed to be there to teach the etiquette of court to Marie Antoinette, who was, of course, we know very young at the time. She was a 15-year-old kid. Um, and so Marie Antoinette actually named her Madame Etiquette. And when Marie Antoinette became queen, she basically dismissed her. A very fancy way to say she fired her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she stayed at court until Madame Lamballe became superintendent. And she was so ticked off, then she finally left court forever. But again, if you watch Marie Antoinette, the movie, um, you you watch that movie and then you could get a sense of uh, they did a good job of uh, capturing her essence. Uh, Judy Davis plays her and she is a very prim and proper and uh, seems like a not a very fun person to be around. <laughs> I love all the drama. Of all yeah. But the, being a lady of the court of uh, Marie Antoinette had its upside because a lot of times you were gifted um, casts off of clothes. Um, sometimes furnishings, sometimes candles. And apparently these candles, the more candles you had, the larger the candle was. So saying, you know, if it was a a 12 inch tapered candle, you basically could turn that over for money and it was worth a lot of money, which was a very interesting thing that rabbit hole that I went down. (laughs) Well, candles are hard to make. We had to make them in elementary school. We were learning about the pilgrims or whatever. And I'm like, this takes forever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure back then. And that was all the only way you had, you know, to see anything. There's no light. You just dip a string and wax over and over and over again until it keeps making layers. It took forever. Yeah. Not fun. Now you you could appreciate that light switch. 
I love my candles and I love my light switches. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Claudine, for teaching us about another French woman in history. And don't forget to sign up for Claudine's virtual tours every Sunday. And also she does tour planning, trip planning around France. So contact her on ClaudineHemingway.com. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you can always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris. or It's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.